This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, can you undo anything on the internet? Jesse Miller, social media expert with Mediated Reality, tells us why the internet stores everything you post. He also gives us some tips on how to set up some boundaries for your kids with that whole live streaming post it now feature that can get people in trouble. Halloween Kills, the movie, is here. Steve Stebbing says it is killer. Our film critic Steve reviews the latest installment of the Halloween franchise just in time for Halloween. <laughs> Although it'd be funny if it said Christmas, let's be honest. Plus a look at Ridley Scott's The Last Duel looks great and big Blu-ray releases here on the podcast. Plus are you okay with opposing views and so much more. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay? Ryan O'Donnell is here. Brendan Kelly is here. I'm Shane Hewitt. Are you okay with cheap travel? Yeah, it's the best kind of travel. (laughs) Is it the best? Yes. It's not. It's the maybe the. No, it's just the cheapest. If I mean, I I've I've never. uh, No, that's not true. I have flown on cheap airlines and and there is a difference but i've only flown first class once and that was pretty sweet but it was like on a one hour flight yeah first (laughs) class is the the best if you ever have a chance to fly first class internationally that's the best i was given an upgrade flying from hawaii to vancouver and normally it was an all-night flight, and normally you kind of just want to curl up and go to bed, right? No way, man. There was hot meals and scotch, and <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Especially it's amazing. if you're, like, flying to Australia. I don't know if anyone's ever done the old 13-hour thing. Oh, my. No. I, I didn't do first class, but I can imagine. 13 hours in a regular seat. You think Coach. you could handle it until it, you know, until it's only, like, hour six, and you're looking at the, the clock, and you're like, you're oh, my. Halfway. Not even halfway. Your Man. butt starts to just leave your body at that point. That was Canada 3000, that old airline that had the, the real economy Canada? seats. Those uh, those seats were so small, man, and your knee, you'd sit at the very back and you'd put your butt to the very back and your knees would touch the seat in front of you. You're like, if this plane was going to crash, everybody would have broken legs. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> Nobody would survive. That's the least Nobody of our issues. Nobody was getting out. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, man, that was great. Well, flying for cheap is great. Um, it is an amazing thing to be able to do. It's okay to spoil yourself and fly for not cheap, too. But flying for, if you can get that for cheap, there's something about walking through that airport where you're like, I got a deal, and here I am. feels good. Well, Japan has a bunch of cool stuff. Vending machines, you can buy anything in a vending machine in Japan. Sir Christopher yep. Gilbert tells us all the time, you can just buy beer, right? Like, that's cool. So cool. Well, these machines are incredibly popular, and uh, they're very over the top in Japan, and that's why an airline started taking advantage of this trend. Japanese budget airline Peach Aviation, which, by the way, their color is pink. Maybe it's a loss in translation thing, but you would have thought they would be colored peach. Just saying. But peach is kind of pink. You think? <laughs> Hold on. Let me look at this. Peach Airlines. Let me let me take a look at this this branding here. I, like that is a ple- that is a pleasant color of pink. It is, that but is it's nice not peach. to look at. That's true. It's not peach, but it is a nice color to look at. <laughs> so they set up this this peach aviation in Japan on Wednesday. Uh, Tokyo's Shibuya Ward, a capsule vending machine to sell tickets, airplane tickets. So you walk up to this vending machine, and you put in about fifty bucks. 
is what it translates to. It's about 5,000 yen, I believe. Yep. The machine drops a capsule down with a coupon worth 6,000 yen that can be used to purchase an air ticket to destinations written on the paper. Buyers do not know the destinations before the purchases. So you would walk in, if it was, just imagine if it was Canada only, you'd walk in, you put in your 50 bucks, out would, it would drop poop out an egg capsule thing, you would open it up, and those would be the options of destinations you could go to. That's everywhere you could go, but that's now your ticket. You don't get your 50 bucks back, even if you don't like it. All the tickets are from Narita International Airport in Chiba, uh, to 11 other airports around the country. You know, they're, they're, you know, not major airports, but they're popular airports. So over 3,000 capsules have been sold so far. Wow. So would you do it? Would you do it? I don't think I would do that in Canada. I I would do that in Europe. I wouldn't even do that in the States. I would do it in like a small contained place, but not Canada. Because what, you, you're playing Russian roulette. I could, I want to see parts of Canada I've never been to, uh, like the Maritimes. See, that's it's why I think hard it's to amazing. get out there. Yeah, but 50 if bucks, I though. get it and then I get, congratulations, you're flying to Cold Lake, Alberta or something like that. It's like, oh, I could. What's wrong with the Cold Lake? Nothing's wrong with it. But if I want a flight to somewhere new, I'd prefer somewhere different. And because Canada is so enormous, like you, you, there's, you, you could get a million different things. And I'd rather cool like part. have an idea of where I could go. First of all, all airlines make the joke when you get in the plane and there you start to taxi while you're pushing back and they're, you know, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard our flight one, two, three, four to Winnipeg. And everyone goes groan. Oh, just kidding. We're going to Maui. <laughs> right? Oh my God. Poor Winnipeg. First yeah, of all, Winnipeg. why does Winnipeg oh, have to yeah. be the, the place that nobody wants to go to in the yeah. wintertime? But would you do it, though? I think this is the coolest thing ever. 50 bucks. I'm assuming it's return, because if imagine if you had to buy another capsule on the other end. You're like, how do I get home? I had to buy seven <laughs> capsules. Um, but you could go anywhere in Canada. I mean, here's your chance to just go places. Mm. 50 yeah. bucks return. I'd do 50, it. 50. That's yeah. such a good price. Yeah, I'd do it. I'm a traveler. I like going places. That's the whole yeah. point of my life is to continually be doing something different um so and going places different just different i'm a mm. traveler and if this i can do a- it frugally i don't care where i end up i've just never been there i'll experience it for a little bit and then i'll get in another capsule and go somewhere else for this 50 is bucks the guy whose good news story a couple of weeks ago is that he walked a block the different direction exactly <laughs> <laughs> um so I think this is amazing, especially in America or Canada. I think in Europe it'd be amazing too. I mean, but I'm pretty sure for fifty bucks you can buy a plane ticket some places uh, with Ryanair and the cheapos. Cheap, yeah. So, like some of those ticket prices over there, the competition's so good that they get all kinds of people that just no show because they put tickets on sale for like twenty five bucks and people just buy them, and then they're like, "If I can't go, no big deal," right? I think this is amazing. I think this is fantastic. I would it's love to do it. Idea. It would be great to do. The only problem I see in this is you would be going by yourself. Oh, yeah, that's true because you wouldn't, uh, unless you got lucky and, you know, two well, capsules. Unless you could say same place. you can buy X number of tickets to this place for 50 bucks or you can buy extra tickets, right? Like, yeah, maybe. So say you, you and Laura, you know, buy your capsule and it's like, congratulations, you're going to Flin Flon. And then, <laughs> then you're like, 
Laura's like, I've always wanted to go to Flin Flon. I want to see Flin Tappity Flonaton. <laughs> and then you're like, you dial into your thing, you enter the thing. I will have two, please. Here's 50 more of the bucks. Yeah. Yeah, if they do that, I would love it's it's I it's it sucks that something like this would never happen in Canada because of how expensive it is to oh we pay get more around than that here, but on a yeah yeah exactly. But it, to in a country that's as small as Japan, it's brilliant, and it, I yeah. I hope they do something like this in Europe too. Like it's that's fantastic. If they did this in that's Canada, idea. it would be like congratulations, you're fifty dollars. You can go to Barry. And then you'd be, you know, like, hey, and then you get to the airport and they'd be like, oh, here's your $50 ticket. Thank you very much. That'll be $374 in taxes, please. Yeah. And then like, you know, 150 <laughs> yeah. bucks to check your little bag and everything yeah, too, check all your bag. that yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. you wanted a seatbelt? That's 10 extra bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. I love picking on airlines. I love picking on Canada's taxes. Why wouldn't you? Are you Okay. Are you okay with opposing views? Well, absolutely. Yeah. Especially because yeah. your Ooh. view is wrong. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm just that kidding. Was direct. Oh, totally, totally not that guy. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, no, I, I uh, am a hundred percent okay with opposing views, and I am so worried these days that we're getting so far away from that. Now everyone's all about censoring and shutting up whatever they don't agree yep. with. Like, oh, I don't like that opinion. I cancel you. Yeah, I don't like that. I, don't, I think we're, mm. we're going in the wrong direction very slowly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems to be getting pretty quick now. I, I, yeah. A conversation is be always better if there are two sides. I would think, mm -hmm. but it, you know, it to a certain degree in certain circumstances. They don't even have to be opposite. Uh, but sides. even I love, yeah, uh, that too. I love when we talk about a movie, or you make fun of my sneakers or the Smiths. I like that we go back and forth on that. It's fun, you know. We don't live in you know La La Land where it's like, oh, that's wonderful. Everything's wonderful. It's not all wonderful. <laughs> so it's fun, well, Brendan. Brennan, have you ever got the feeling that we were ever going back and forth in the Smiths? I didn't ever feel like we were going back and forth. No, in the I don't I, think we were going I back. We made that. Yeah, we made that clear. We made it pretty clear. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we actually shouldn't allow any mention of the Smiths or Morrissey anymore. We should just <laughs> censor it from the show. You might as well drop me, man. See opposing views right there. There are some sides you don't really want to be on, though, in views. And here is a horrible example of that. Here is a horribly good example of that. I just kind of assumed that was a typo. Gina Petty is the Carroll School District's Executive Director of Curriculum and Instruction in South Lake, Texas. She made a shocking comment Friday during a training session on which books teachers can have in classroom libraries. When asked to help clarify how this is how this new policy works, she said, "Go through. Just try to remember the concepts of 3979 and make sure that if 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 you have a book on the Holocaust, that you have one that has opposing that has other. Books. How do you oppose the Holocaust? What? <laughs> Believe me, that's come up. So, so number the stars. Wow. Whoa. Okay. Huh. Oh. Oh, so no. the training came four days after Carroll School Board, responding to a parent's complaint, voted to reprimand a fourth grade teacher who had kept an anti-racism book in her classroom. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't want to go to school there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. Anyway, that is, um, um, well, dreadful, really. That's a lot. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, that's All terrible. Right. Are you okay? Are you okay with playoff baseball? Yeah, I like playoff baseball. You know, we get to hear old Joe Buck there on Fox and his big booming voice, and it's mm-hmm. October and the Yankees and all that stuff. Yeah, I like I it. I love to hear about baseball and the way that they still have the old school voices. Yeah, they still do. I think the best part about playoff baseball is that it has the best storyline of any sports league ever. Like the rivalries and the the actual like lore of each series and and world series is so much fun to watch. It adds to the game so much, which is too bad because regular season baseball is kind of painful to watch, honestly, but playoff baseball is just amazing. And the fun in person. I just can't, I don't get so much fun, but it's fun in person. Um, Okay. So exciting in the playoffs. Not so great in the regular season, but the stakes are higher in the playoffs. Understandably, yep. fans of these games get a little rowdy, whether they're in the stadium or not. The fans you're about to hear took things a little bit out of hand. This is from ABC 13. Another important reminder about the this morning. Another important reminder about the dangers of celebrating with guns. Houston police say a man shot by a friend while celebrating the Astros win. It happened at an apartment complex on Flint Log near 290. That's on the northwest side. Investigators tell us every time the Astros scored, a group of people would dry fire their guns. But at the end of the game, a man forgot to unload his weapon and shot his friend in the abdomen. That man will survive. Okay. Wow. <laughs> we're going to need to start. We're going to need to have a Texas intro. What's with all these stories from yeah. Texas? Oh. Uh, police departments trying to decide if charges should be laid or not. Uh, we imagine the guy's reaction to getting shot probably sounded like this. Ow! You shot me, you a hole. <laughs> <laughs> Now, gunfire has disrupted uh, baseball before. Earlier this year, gunfire outside a baseball stadium in Washington had folks scrambling to take to tack shelter. Oh, we were doing so good. We That's a typo. Oh, so uh, good. In the stadium's bullpen to take shelter. And there was someone got shot because of a ricochet in that particular case. I just don't understand that celebrate shoot guns in the air thing. I guess I don't get that because gravity, right? I always think about gravity. Yeah. Someone's gravity, getting clipped the, the way down. going to come down. And they're so loud. Guns are so loud. There's no, they're unbelievable. The movies, games do not portray how unbelievably loud a gun is. I just don't understand why you would actively want to hear that, especially around sports. Yeah. All right. Um, funny, I was doing a pre interview. Speaking of. Um, it's a typo. It's a typo. I was having a conversation with a lady by the name of Andrea today. And Andrea is going to come on and we're going to do uh, next week. We start some work on um, living with disabilities and disabilities and poverty and all kinds of stuff like that. We're going to talk about that stuff in the shift. Andrea is an advocate for that. So Andrea and I had a conversation today and I asked her, I said, I'm assuming you don't sit up all night listening to the shift. So um, have you heard the show? And she says, yes, I have heard the show. And I said, well, what's your takeaway? And she said, well, you guys have a lot of fun and you talk about a lot of important things and someone has terrible spelling. She said, <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, 
look at the reach of the typo. Look at that. It's beautiful. <laughs> Far and wide across the land. Well, that's good. Well, she's also a writer and has some articles that are written in the star. So I think that she oh, was okay. um, yeah. observing, but it was very good. And I do look forward to introducing you to Andrea uh, next week. Are you okay? Cool. Are you okay with home inspections? Uh, I I don't know. I've only had well, one in my them, apartment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, important. Yeah, uh, I've only had one in my apartment here, and all went well. Even though there is totally a bit of ripped uh, wallpaper uh, or wall or you know paint uh, that we a hundred percent covered with a uh, painting. And he didn't oh, notice that. Do. So that's good. Toothpaste. Yeah. Uh, my my landlord has not been here in three and a half years, except for one day I went outside and he was trying to pull out uh, weeds out of the easement in front of the house. So that was it. Never been here. Huh. Damn. Yeah, no, inspections make me nervous, even when I know I'm good. Just the, yeah. I think it's just... The, <laughs> I know I'm good. I know I'm good. I think I don't know if it's just a Catholic guilt that was it instilled in me. It when you were a child? Yeah. It could guilt. be. Just say you're sorry and you'll be fine. Don't yeah. worry about it. Well, whether you like it or not, your home, much like you, will probably need a checkup every now and then. And when you go digging through your home, you might find some interesting things. A woman in Santa Rosa, California, called Al Wolf over her... Al Wolf. That's the name? Is that the name? Al Wolf. Al Wolf. His name is Al Wolf. Yes. Oh, okay. okay. Well, I, it's just a little contribution, if yeah. I might. Um, maybe called a guy named Al Wolf or something? I don't know. <laughs> Al Wolf. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see what you. Oh, okay. Called at like, you know, like you think I wrote that in a different language or something? No, I think it's a typo. That's I just yeah. assume it was. A typo. It's not a typo. His name is Al Wolf, but okay. Okay, a woman in Santa Rosa, California, called a man named Al Wolf over to her home after seeing a rattlesnake. It's at this point where I'm just going to automatically assume and deduct that Al Wolf might be like a snake guy. He is a snake guy. Oh, thank you. Al runs a not-for-profit Sonoma County Reptile Rescue, and he really loves snakes. He had the time of his life when he got around to that house and looked underneath it. Here's more from KTVU. Within a minute, I find a rattlesnake. I go, oh, good. So I get it into the bucket, and then I see a second rattlesnake. Okay, so I get that, put it in the bucket. Now I, I got to get some rocks, and I move it over, so I, I catch a third rattlesnake. Then I see two babies coiled up, and I go, oh, man, they're having babies. It went on like this for about four hours. In the end, Wolf removed 92 snakes, 59 of them babies, from that one area. A personal record. He told the homeowner what he'd found. She said something odd to me, too. She says, maybe that's why I haven't had a rodent problem. I said, you think? The homeowner does not want to be identified or her property in northeast Santa Rosa. She doesn't want her neighbors to know. Wolf says the snakes, most about three feet long, must have been attracted to that spot because there were a lot of rocks underneath the house. He says his time in the snake pit was pure joy. Damn, one one house this many. You know... That's when I started getting happier and happier, and I started thinking, I wish this happened every day. Wolf says he released all the snakes into the wild. <laughs> Away from people, <laughs> private property, you know, and it's a beautiful animal. It doesn't deserve that. It, it belongs out there. I love it. It's what I do. You're weird. Yeah. Uh, but I, I love how much he loves snakes he does and love the snakes he loves the snakes you can tell he cares about the snakes he's having 92. a blast 
92 snakes, man. 92 snakes found at that house. In case you ever run into a rattlesnake and Al Wolf isn't around to help you out, here is what you do. Some tips. Remain calm and do not panic. Stay at least five feet away from the snake. Anything more than that is also recommended. Make sure you give it plenty of space. Social distance the snake, if you will. Do not try to kill the snake. Doing so is illegal in some places and greatly increases the chance the snake will, in fact, just kill you back. Do not throw anything at the snake, like rocks or sticks. Rattlesnakes may respond to this by moving forward to the person doing the throwing and try to kill you. If you hear a rattle, don't jump, don't panic, don't try to locate, or do try to locate where the sound is coming from before trying to move so you don't step closer to the snake or on top of it because C points three, four, and this is point five. It just might try to kill you. And he loves them. He loves them. Can you imagine? 92 snakes. And then you call Al Wolf. See what this is good business, right? He takes 92 snakes, he distributes them in another neighborhood, and then he gets phone calls from the neighborhood saying, Yeah, there's a snake in my house. Oh, let <laughs> me come help you. He say he put them on private property. He did. Oh. He's like, I'll come save your 92 snakes. Wait a second. How did you know how many snakes there was? Good work, Al. Well done. This is the Shift Podcast. Now, in case you missed it with the story time story, a woman gives her kid the phone. The woman gets in the shower. The kid starts Instagram live. Mom's naked in the shower. Man, how do you undo this? Jesse Miller, mediated reality, is here with us on the shift. He's all things socials. Uh, this would be a strange one to bring up in your uh, corporate social teaching the uh, or the uh, the students. How do you undo a young person instagram living mom in the shower jesse you don't that's the best part this is like when you're trying to find your uh, qr code for your vaccine passport and you swipe through your nudes and your camera roll or uh or you're uh when, when someone takes your phone and they're looking at the picture and you're like don't swipe left do don't, not don't, swipe don't, left don't. on that photo or or to that point swiping left and right where you bounce into a coworker or cousin and something like that and you're like oh my goodness because you're rapid firing you know, I've I've heard the litany of them all. I've heard managers say, you know, I inadvertently swiped on a on a coworker or a subordinate. I've heard I've heard colleagues actually say that they're rapid firing through so you know a dating app and they didn't realize that they they swiped on a on a relative. Um, but you know, the whole the whole that's thing terrible. with the internet, it's terrible. But there's no take backs, right? Like that's the thing is that the larger the audience, the more profound the content. That's where it gets traction. And so even, even this woman kind of taking the story on from Instagram live and then transferring it to TikTok, that's all the clout pieces that go into it. Like there really is no shame in the story because she was more than willing to propagate it herself. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's no take back in that regard. There's just the access point. Like these kids can literally start broadcasting you sitting on the throne or in the middle of a, a morning romp or whatever it be, uh, there are going to be a lot of abilities for people to broadcast their lives. And we know more and more from the hiccups or the Zoom faux pas of the pandemic oh that um, the world is full of human beings doing human things. Well, there are uh, all kinds of other things that can happen too. I mean, you've always said to your kids, you know, you've got to be honest, but you've got to be accurate, right? When you're talking to the teachers and um, you hear stories of parents where their kids will say, oh, my dad's mean to me. And then the school has to intervene and find out what's going on. Right. And um, so there are parenting moments here where the kids all of a sudden 
whether they realize it or not, have an awful lot of leverage. I mean, it's nothing to say if dad's yelling at mom or mom's yelling at dad that the child couldn't record that and post that stuff. Yeah, that's not it's not like when I was a kid when those commercials came on and dad just stared at you like how don't you ever dare call that phone number. Um, (laughs) You know, the thing the thing of it is, is that, yeah, there 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 has to be context. Right. And so we've always had these moments where when a kid divulges something to an authority figure at a school that the school does their due diligence and good that they do, obviously. But within the context of social media, I'll give you an example, and this is just a very benign one, but years and years ago, we had a kid in my community who was live filming uh, their home, like the layout of their home and putting it on YouTube. And I remember one of the videos, like dad was sleeping on the couch. And about a year later, uh, a report came out that this house had been broken into. And, you know, it's as simple as, yes, it could have been broken into at any point. Mm-hmm. But if you've got full access, you know, it's inside the inside the house, you're going to you're going to be a bit more inclined if that's the way you're wired. But the reality of this is, is that, yeah, there is context to, to every story. And so this one needs some context. Did the mom, you know, was she was she totally embarrassed? Was she fully aware of what was going on? Or at the end of the day, is this just a clout grab and the kid never did really film it like, you know, like, like what, what kind of, what kind of attention are you looking for here? And so there are parts of every social story that just need a little bit more. And we do find out more often than not that uh, sometimes these are orchestrated so well just to get the viral video going. Well, and I would, if you looked at this, uh, this Brianna's TikTok and so on, it is very, very active of all kinds of things. So the story though does happen. I would say that there was one time where my back was all seized up. I had to get my son to hockey. And the only way I could do that was by sliding down the stairs because I couldn't use the stairs. Now, my son at 15 years old in his infinite wisdom thought it would be great to uh, videotape me and not help me. So when I didn't find out that he had done that until I got to the arena and one of his teammates came and said, hey, how's your back? And I was like, it's fine. Thank you for asking. To which I went to my son and said, hey, how does that guy know about my back? And, um... So that was what he was doing instead of helping his dad down the stairs was uh, capturing it for Snapchat. So uh, kids do this stuff, man. We got to be, we parents, we got to be on it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So how do you set up those boundaries inside of a family home? Now, first and foremost, one of the things that we do in our education campaigns with school districts here in BC and, and to be fair across Canada is talk about digital consent. And so I put up this idea of digital consent around 2017 in the sense that parents need to start asking their kids, you know, do you mind if I film you? Do you mind if I take a picture of this? Do you mind if I send this to grandparents or aunts and uncles or whoever it be? But the thing is, is we could not expect kids to be kind, considerate and caring users of these electronic media content pieces if we didn't demonstrate that to them. So if we didn't ask the question with their, 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 you know, idea of informed consent being the primary as opposed to the want of sharing, then there's no way we were going to ever curb some of the issues we were seeing kids in tech. But that said, the family home is supposed to be somewhat sacred. And in that, you know, we've seen kids record teachers who are yelling and screaming or conflict between an educator and a student that the principal would usually align with the, with the teacher as opposed to the evidence that the student created. And in that regard, you know, kids are curators of media. They're not necessarily the messengers of journalism because they're, they're, they're not, you know, they don't have the ethos of it, 
but they do know when there's something right and they know when there's something wrong. And if you're a parent in your own home and you're sitting there going, well, I don't know if my kid's going to be filming me and just need to tell their friends when I'm screaming at them. Um, you know, there's parts of that that do require a adult conversation with yourself about what is my best approach to addressing an issue with my kid. Is it the ranting and raving and screaming that most of us grew up with? Or is it the, I want to have a healthy conversation with you and let's put our phones aside here and let's talk. As a um, uh, divided household, um, my ex-wife has remarried, all those things. The, the, the kids learned the lesson of the difference between secrets and private and privacy versus secrecy. And I've always said to my kids, I always said, don't lie to your mother. Don't keep secrets from your mother. But this is my life, this piece, whatever, you know, dad's shopping for a vacation. Um, so it is private. So if you get asked about it, you're allowed to say that's private, ask dad. And um, that was a big shifting point, I think, in our house when we understood the difference of we're not here to keep secrets, but it, privacy is allowed. And, yeah. um, and that one had a big difference. But now that's a, a golden parenting moment. I've had many failures. So since we are talking about parenting failures, Jesse Miller, I ask you to confess, what is your biggest parenting failure that you've experienced? You know what? I've got, I've got two wonderful children and they're no better, no worse than anybody else's kids. And I grew up in, in a split home, uh, but I grew up with loving uh, parents who really did put effort into trying to make things quote unquote normal. Um, and you know, one of the things that actively in my relationship that we've tried to do is, is not necessarily correct those mistakes, but, but really put our kids in a foremost focal point. And the one part I think that we failed, and I'll say it primarily me is I've never been really good at differentiating the difference between sadness and hurt, because you can be sad about something and, and really kind of be processing that. And you can be hurt about something and know that somebody has to have reconciliation. And I think in certain moments, when you project those parenting values, especially the ones you grew up with, I recognize that I've probably said things to my kids that didn't, I didn't mean to be hurtful, but it probably came across as hurtful. And when you see the end result, it's not like, oh, I didn't mean to say that you shouldn't be so upset. It's, did I create sadness? Did I create an environment that made somebody feel like their worth was less than? And I remember growing up with that in certain ways, just based on, you know, we didn't talk a lot about mental health. We didn't talk about, um, you know, what it meant to be a kid growing up in separate homes with those with those things. And actually, to your very great point there, the difference between privacy and secrets, I felt like as a kid, I carried a lot of secrets. Uh -huh. But we've tried to make sure that our kids don't have secrets with us or anybody. But um, but the value of privacy, how do you make sure that a kid feels that they have that? And so, you know, I've, I'm not going to say I'm doing really well but I think I'm doing better than I grew up with. And uh, my, my biggest one right now is not differentiating where I've maybe projected some hurt. Yeah. And that's exactly what mine is too. Well, I have two, I suppose. Uh, mine was exactly that. My son had done something. He was just tiny. Like it was silly as a dad. I look backwards, but I got so mad and I yelled at him. And I remember the look in his eyes when he looked back at me and it was almost like, that's the moment that the trust was broken. Right. Yeah. That's what it felt like as a dad. Now, of course, kids are resilient. He probably doesn't even remember it. Right. But I, um, but that was the moment for me when I yelled at him, I pointed my finger at him and he stopped and he looked at me and I was like, Oh no. Now <laughs> on the more playful side, I also lost my kids once, but I didn't really lose them. I was driving. I was in the middle of Calgary driving along and I was like, Oh no, where are the children? 
And I had a panic moment because I was running around and I had just left the mall. And I was like, I don't have my kids. Oh my God, where are my kids? And I was like, oh yeah, you dropped them off at grandma's place earlier. So I had actually had uh, lost complete track of my children, even though I had already taken them to the care of grandmother. So I will I confess, I those are my screws. I don't know if it's weird, but I, I've always kind of prided myself on the fact that I've never lost my kids, but, <laughs> but, but the, to your, to your, to your point about the, uh, you see the hurt in their eyes. Um, um, I, I recognize, especially during the pandemic, this was the biggest thing for me, especially with lockdown and being home more often. I was never playing as much as I should have with my kids. Oh, that's true. And so, and so play is a big piece. And, and when you have one of, one of your kids in front of you and saying, Hey, do you want to do something with me? And you kind of always put into the corner, you know, I got to check an email or I got to finish this thing. You're never going to get that time back. And so I I'm learning that as much as I can. And, you know, just taking kids to practices or driving to places isn't that that's part of the deal. That's not play. So you got to carve out that time for play. Uh, not all dads, Dads aren't the only ones who screw it up, even though Jesse and I might be leading the pack. Uh, moms do too. No offense, moms. Uh, we will take everyone's calls on what are your biggest parenting screw-ups. Thank you for the honesty, Jesse. I appreciate it, brother. Oh, as always, thank you, Shane. Appreciate it. This is the Shift Podcast. Let's go to Hamilton and say hi to Bill. Uh, hey, Bill, we are a little short on time, though, but I do want to get your story. Tell me what's going on. All right, Shane, real quick, I'll tell you. I, I should, my, um, I've been sober 23 years now, and, and the biggest thing of my sobriety is honesty. And uh, my daughter wasn't in my life from the time that she was three years old until she was 14. And we finally reconnected. We started, you know, putting things, I thought, back together. Um, and a long story short, I just turned into an ATM machine is what I turned into. And... Mm-hmm. She had gone through this period of a of these uh, lies that were unbelievable. I li- you know I need a book for school. I lost my laptop. I need a dorm deposit, and it just went on and on. And I told friends are telling me you know hey you know she's using you. She went on a three week vacation with her mother to Disney World, and I knew about it. I, I, friends are telling me look on Facebook you'll see that there's pictures of them there, and I held on to that for months. It drove yep. me crazy, and finally I had to say something. And, um, you know, she just continued to lie and lie. And then it turned into no more phone calls, no more emails, no more nothing. And so let me ask you this question. I'm assuming you're not talking to her anymore. No, we, we haven't talked since 2013. So let me – so the – wow, that's a long time. So let me ask you this question. I'm going to be very direct with you here, Bill, but it's coming from a place of love, okay? Just dad to dad. You with me? Yep, I'm listening. Okay, okay. Um, so what it, what does your i in in a couple of words tell me what your ideal relationship with your daughter would look like? What would you like it to look like today? No story, no history. Like today's a brand new day. Tomorrow she calls you and hangs out. What does that What does that relationship look like to you? Just take me for the person I am, not the person that you know me to be from what your mother has told you. Okay, but that's the past, Bill. No, that's the past. So work with me. Dance with me here, okay, bud? Yeah. That's the past. You hear that? That's a story about the past. I want you to, none of that exists. What would you, um, what would you like that to, your time with your daughter to look like? I, I, I would like it to look like a, a person that she can confide into, a, a person that she can trust, a person that she can love. And when that day Perfect. comes, that person can walk her down the aisle. That's 
what I always hope and dream for. But I well, don't that's where that you start, happening. Bill. Well, no, but see, don't tear it down. See what you did there? You built it up, and then you made yourself safe yep. by tearing it down. So here's what I'm going to do, Bill. You go home, and you I, here's your challenge from me, okay? When you're done your work and you go home, I want you to write down with zero history, zero past, nothing but what you want a healthy relationship with your daughter to look like. No past, nothing, okay? And then you live into that, and that's what you work to create. And you work to be that person, not this person. And I'm going to offer you something else. This is a little bit judgy of me, but it's coming just from what you're telling me, and I'm going to say it quickly, okay, just for the sake of time. You said to me that you're a stand for honesty in this world with your sobriety. That leads me to believe that there probably was a history of lying. And I can't think of a better father to help his daughter through this phase of her life than a guy who's been through it himself and has come out the other side with a commitment to honesty and love. So I can't think of a better person to do that than you. I tried to sit down and explain, you know. I said, okay, no, I don't want to get that's uh, great. I don't need to hear the stories. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and it's not because I don't want to hear your story, Bill. It's just because of the fact that those old rehashed reasons from the past are not going to get you to create the trustworthy walk the daughter down the aisle. Yes. That's what I'm saying no, to you. Right. That's my you're offer right. to you. Okay? It's yeah. My email is shane at itstheshift.ca, Bill. I'm happy to be there for you for on email if you need to email me and keep in touch. But I want you to take it on in what you expect from your daughter, what you want to create with her, and which way you want to go, okay? You you'll you have friends and, and support systems to help you with dealing with the past. Um, I don't need to know the past. I need to know you, who you are today, and what you want to create. And I think that I offer you this invitation and this challenge to start there. Thank you, Shane. I appreciate it. This is The Shift Podcast. Steve Stebbing, it's time for us to get into what the hell should we watch this weekend. Now, Steve said I should get a dog. Do you have a dog? I don't. No. I'm, uh, I'm not allowed pets in my, my building. Well, see, that's what happened, Steve. You missed that part of the conversation is that here in this, I rent this townhouse. And so I'm not allowed pets either. But then I texted my landlord and said, hey, what do you think about a dog? And they're like, yeah, we trust you. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> Just got to ask, right? Well, I shouldn't have asked because then I should have just left it alone and I could have had that excuse forever. So, <laughs> nuts. All right. What the hell should we watch this weekend, Steve? Uh, you excited about anything? Where are we going? What's uh, what's Ooh, going on? we got the boy. AV Club coming up shortly here. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm excited about something, but you're not going to be excited about it. I bet you I know which one it is. Probably second on our list. That's let's right. Get, uh, let's get started with stevestebbing.ca and The Last Duel. I was a good wife. And then was judged and shamed by my country. I say before all of you, I spoke the truth. Is this the one, this is the Ridley Scott one with, like, Matt Damon and uh, mm. Darth Darth Vader guy? Those guys, Andrew, right? Adam Driver? Good yeah, that's Adam Driver. Yeah, Adam Vader. Whatever. <laughs> I don't remember. He's, he had, the, he had the, the double lightsaber red one. He was that guy. 
Yeah. Wasn't it's he? The, cro- the, the, the crossblade. Is that what it was? Yeah, kind of. Anyway, he should win with yeah. a sword fight after all that lightsaber experience. Just You'd saying. think. You'd think. But, uh, I mean, this is more a historical thing. This is Ridley Scott uh, going to the uh, right in the midst of the Hundred Years' War in France. And uh, for the duel between uh, basically two at one time friends uh, who are um, dueling over the honor uh, of the Matt Damon's character's wife, who uh, says that she was uh, assaulted uh, by Adam Driver's character uh, to set up this whole duel. And I mean, the cast around uh, Driver and and, uh, and and Matt Damon with uh, Jodie Comer's in this one, uh, Ben Affleck's in this one. Uh, it looks really, really great. The only issue is that Ridley Scott has kind of duped me before. Uh, I'm looking directly at you, Robin Hood, um, with making not good uh, historical or or, uh, or or medieval movies. Um but he did do the Kingdom of Heaven director's cut, which is an inf- just a phenomenal film. So I don't know. I, I'm in the middle of the road, but I do have friends who got to see the advanced screening and they said it was really good. So I, I think I'm leaning on the good side of the fence here. I think it looks the trailer looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. It does. I, I, you know, I mean, medieval armor suits of armor and sword fights and jousting and all those things i mean can you really go wrong with that it looks fantastic absolutely but it's two hours and 32 minutes gene oh man i can't watch that crap i don't have time for that ryan you have free time you go watch it tell me about it absolutely i would love to and uh you know what i'll see that and then next weekend i can go watch dune so i can put with james bond that means over the course of three weeks, I will have watched, I will have been in a movie theater for 12 hours at least. So that's exciting. <laughs> I love that fact. That's awesome. Bond didn't feel long though. Bond doesn't Not feel at all. Long. Amazing pacing. Side note. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, okay. We're going into the scary stuff now. This is probably the one that uh, Steve was talking about. I'm guessing uh, we're going back in time. Jamie Lee Curtis returns at Halloween Kills. We killed Michael. My grandmother set the fire. No one told you. <gasps> told me what? Michael Myers is alive. A man couldn't have survived that fire. Forty years ago, the boogeyman came for us. We are the survivors. All right, so uh, here we go. Recycle, reboot, rehash, sequel. Nope. Where does it land? Sequel. Because it looks sequel. It looks it looks watchable for a, a, a scary movie hater. This is a sequel, Shane. This this new trilogy because it's the second part in a trilogy that okay. is only acknowledging the very first movie from 1978, which John Carpenter uh, wrote and directed with Deborah Hill. Um, John Carpenter is still involved. He's executive producer and him and his son actually do the music for this movie, um, which is brilliant. I mean, John Carpenter, for those, the fans out there that you know that he tours around North America doing shows of his of his music and everything. He's an accomplished musician who has done all the scores for all his movies. And it adds that much more oomph to this movie that ups the brutality, ups the ante. Michael Myers is angry after being uh set on fire in the last movie and he wow. is killing with such 
rage in this movie. Uh, it's this. I it's so much fun. I honestly wish that I'd seen it with an audience and not sitting in my own living room because uh, it's just so much fun as a horror fan. And uh, I mean, uh, the writers behind this and director uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, they know their stuff and they are using it in such a fever pitch. And I absolutely love it. I can't wait for the next one. Halloween ends. I'll let you tell me about that one, too. (laughs) Scary. (laughs) Uh, Shane's a big baby when it comes to the scary movies. Okay, what else do we got coming on next year? Let's get into Blu-rays. And free guy. Hey, bud, you ever think that there's got to be more? More than what? The stuff we do day after day. Being shot at? Run over? Taking hostage? Everybody down on the ground! Today's going to be different. Hi. God, this isn't you. You don't do this, man. Maybe I do. All right, so tell us about The Free Guy. Yeah, I mean, this is a movie that was delayed by the pandemic. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is a non-player character in a video game that starts to become aware that he is uh, in a video game. Uh, And it's just like the most sweet-hearted comedy that has zero pacing issues to it whatsoever, uh, constantly keeps you smiling, uh, Ryan Reynolds is so charming in it as usual, but I mean, it's the surrounding cast, uh, Lil Ray Howery, Joe Keery, uh, Taika Waititi as your villain. And again, like in the last duel, Jodie Comer is in this one as the uh, female lead. And, you know, I've never seen her show Killing Eve that she's gotten like multiple awards for and just all this acclaim, but I'm really starting to like her in movies. So maybe I should retroactively start watching Killing Eve. All right. What the hell should we watch this weekend? Steve Stebbing, The Green Knight. Another year nearly gone already. You must seek him out. Was it not just a game? Perhaps. But it is not complete. You will find no mercy. No happy end. Why do you stop me? Me do as I can. All right, tell us about it. Yeah, this is pretty much a, a, like a medieval fable that follows uh, King Arthur's nephew, uh, Sir Gawain, uh, who takes on uh, the challenge of the Green Knight uh, to be his marker, his legacy. Uh, and it's played by a Dev Patel, who just gives an incredible performance in this one. Uh, but, I mean, the real star of this is the incredible mesmerizing cinematography throughout this. Uh, it is very much an art film at its heart, but I just I, I can't help but feel that this is my favorite movie of the year. And it also happens to be a Christmas movie. So uh, move aside, Die Hard. You have another friend for uh, holiday watching. Nice. If it's a, if it actually is a holiday movie. Dun, dun, dun. OK, Roadrunner is next on the list. It was almost never about food. It was about Tony learning how to be a better person. When he threw himself into something, he threw himself completely. Why am I here? Am I insane? He was like, life's about finding a cliff worth jumping off. I'm going to look for something feral and wild. He was a traditional romantic. 
reality was never going to live up to exactly how he pictured it. All right, tell us this movie, Steve. Yes. Well, I, I mean, this is the Anthony Bourdain documentary. Uh, I mean, the world was essentially robbed uh, when when Bourdain took his life. And uh, this this movie is evidence of that, uh, evidence of, of uh, an incredible life uh, and, and, and a very complicated life uh, that's told through just hours and hours of, of home video and, and uh, uh, footage from all of his different shows and everything just compiled to make per- like a huge um, portrait of, of, a, of a, just a, a massively influential human being and also a, a person with a lot of friends who really, really miss him and, and participate in this movie as well. Um, it's emotional. It will definitely wring you out of tears and just remind you how uh, kind of empty that side of television is right now. Uh, he was a whole um, inspired, holy cow, the stuff he brought, the depth to the conversations he brought. Um, yeah, pretty amazing stuff. And and I, I, I love it. I still watch his old stuff, do you? Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. I love Parts Unknown. I think it's really good. One of the interviews he did with Barack Obama in like Thailand or something like that was like mm. one of the best interviews ever uh, that that both of them, I think, ever did. Yeah, um, pretty cool stuff. What the hell should we watch this weekend? Steve Stebbing is here. SteveStebbing.ca is his website for his blog and all the things we are looking at shows that Steve recommends, usually recommends, <laughs> sometimes not, to watch on the course of the weekend coming up this weekend. Let's go to TV shows which is not really a TV show, or is this the movie, Steve? It's Chucky. Let's get the clip. Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. What did you do? Uh, uh, uh. Mommy says real killing is bad. Yeah, well, mommy's full of shit. So they've turned uh, this into a TV show. Yes. Um, that's the short answer is yes, they have. Uh, and not only that, it's back in the hands of Don Mancini, the guy that kind of created everything. Uh, so I mean, Chucky is back home with daddy now and in a long form television series. Uh, I mean, he kills a kid with vomit in the first episode. I mean, there's so much to love about this show already. And I was really surprised with the caliber of it being that it was like a sci-fi channel, uh, USA channel uh, collaboration. You got to remember sci-fi is the ones that do the Sharknado movies. So you were kind of expecting like a little bit of cheese, but it is the correct kind of cheese. And I mean, if they keep this momentum up, this could be one of my favorite new shows of the year. Well, and horror on a TV series is kind of a different approach. You don't see a whole lot of that, so it's kind of cool that way. Um, Let's get Clockwork Orange 4K with Steve's Blu-ray geek out. Hi, hi, hi there, my little droogies. (laughs) The evening's the great time, isn't it, Alex Bond? He's enterprising, aggressive, young, bold, vicious. He'll do What on earth could that be? Now it was lovely music that came to my aid. A bit of the old Ludwig van. All right, it's the uh, 
Blu-ray geek out and clockwork orange. I'm guessing this is sort of just a remastering in 4K. Yeah, this is a reissue in 4K. Um, and I mean, this movie is massively special to me. It's massively influential. Uh, without me seeing this movie, I'm not on the radio with you today. Like it doesn't it, it like really? I, I don't follow that path. I don't go down that getting crazy about movies. Kubrick in this movie unlocked that in me. So uh, this is like a, a very big moment for me to bring this to the Blu-ray geek out. Cool. Well, then that is important to know. Uh, one of your inspirations to uh, to being here. Ryan O'Donnell, Shift AV Club. Should we get it started and pick a movie for next week? Absolutely. The, sh- the, the Shift AV Club is back, my friends. Uh, the last movie we reviewed all together was The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. The theme for this week is modern day action movies simple but sweet there's gonna there's some great movies on this list so how this works if you've never been here on the shift av club before we pick a movie and we have a week to watch it and next week at this time we will review it all together so brendan please without further ado bring out the tiny wheel the tiny wheel actually does have movies it's so cute no one seems to mind the Tiny Wheel has been loaded up with 10 action films that have defined the last at least 25 years. So here are the movies that we may be watching. John Wick, the first one, starring Keanu Reeves. Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. Miami Vice, the movie with Jamie Foxx. Dread, that is a very underrated movie. Uh, Mad Max, Fury Road, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Steve, is that MI5 or is that six? I can't remember. That would be four. Four. Thank you. I was very wrong. Uh, The Bourne Ultimatum. (laughs) Collateral. Tom Cruise. Also Tom Cruise in Ghost Protocol. Uh, The Raid and Hot Fuzz. Some great movies on this list. Oh, who doesn't? I think it's spin it. Let's do it. Spin the wheel. Let's do it. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, nice. It's a Tom Cruise movie. Surprise. But there are three Tom Cruise movies on this tiny say. wheel. And the, the the tiny wheel has spoken. We will be watching the 2014 sci-fi action, bizarre, live, die, repeat, edge of tomorrow. Let's get the trailer. I'm going to tell you a story. First, it's going to sound ridiculous, but the longer I talk... We have to find the keys. The more rational it's going to appear. I can't believe you found coffee. Sugar, right? Yeah. Hold on. Three. You like three. How many times have we been here? How many times? For me, it's been an eternity. It's basically Tom Cruise trying to fend off an alien invasion and he's stuck in a time loop. So he just constantly dies and he and Emily Blunt try to train themselves to stop the alien invasion. I remember when this movie was first announced, it was going to be terrible and it ended up being great. I'm very excited to watch it again. All right, there we go. That's your invitation to Edge of Tomorrow. It's available on Netflix. Steve Stebbing will have his review along with the rest of us on the Shift AV Club next week. Thanks so much for being here, Steve. 
Of course. Love it. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 